0: Hello and welcome to the Edify podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Most people think of preaching maybe more as a monologue, but it's actually a dialogue. The preacher may be doing all the talking, but he's not doing all the communicating. As you and I well know, a great deal of communication is nonverbal. Probably most of our communication is nonverbal. So even even as the preacher speaks in, in the congregation, the people in the congregation are having their say as well. You know, it's a joy to preach to people who communicate that when they're fully engaged in the message, uh, their posture, their facial expressions. I know me here at Piedmont Road. Uh, I see members, I see elders, I see deacons. They're leaned over, their Bibles are open, their heads are nodding. You know, those are those are awesome, awesome uh, communications of affirmation. Um, you know, when you hear somebody say amen, or that's right, or come on, or, or whatever it is. Um, even when you hear something, even somebody verbally affirm what you're saying. Yeah, I remember Brother Cates at the Memphis School of Preaching, he used to say it's like saying sick him to a dog. <laughs> you know, when a preacher hears those things. And so those are good but on the other hand it's it's very discouraging to preach to people whose body language shouts their disengagement uh their heads stay down their eyes are closed they're probably not in prayer <laughs> uh they're repeatedly you know checking their phones or flipping their watch they're not likely to take notes you know they're they're very they're very physically present but they have already checked out they've gone home they've already moved on from what you're doing so preaching to the to the disengaged really tests our heart. And if you're an elder and you're sitting across the uh, the auditorium, or maybe you're a deacon, or maybe you're an usher, whatever it is, uh, where you see somebody being completely unresponsive, how do you respond to that? You know, how do we avoid being distracted by those who appear disengaged? There's two types of disengaged hearers, basically. You know, especially that really um, that maybe. Maybe bother you or, or or bother me, upset our you know equilibrium, maybe even upset our preaching um and, and that's two different types of people: number one, the dozing and number two the disgruntled, <laughs> and both of them show up you know throughout your time preaching and shepherding and serving uh they 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 both are unsettling but but in very different ways. Uh, so to pass this heart test as a, a minister, a faithful servant, um, we need to learn how to respond to both the dozing and the disgruntled. Number one, let's talk about preaching to the dozing. Um, some folks in the congregation just got off of night shift. Um, maybe maybe they've just worked a hard weekend, or maybe it's Wednesday night. Their body is is stiff and it's sore um they've just come off a construction site or a samama who's been up all night all the day it's not hard to be distracted by people who drift off <laughs> into dreamland during your sermon it's uh it's very much dis- disconcerting to preach to you know a person who's fast asleep their head is back their mouth is wide open or a man who's fighting to stay as w- to stay awake his his head repeatedly you know jerking <laughs> nodding you know that sort of thing uh you almost want to break away from your, your preaching, and loudly quote Ephesians 5.14, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, we all know that that's exegetically unsound, and that is spiritually unwise, but that's sometimes the way that you want to address that situation. So how should we deal with the dozing as we preach, as we're sitting there as shepherds, and we notice uh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, whatever... uh. For me as a preacher, how do I deal with the dozing? Preach with compassion and with passion. So let's break it down into twos. Preaching with passion. Um, Remember that we don't know all the backstory. Uh, We don't know the life challenges. We don't know if medication has changed. We don't know uh, much of anything of everyone who shows up on Sundays. Um, I can count on the fact that some are showing up running on fumes. Some have hectic schedules. Work shifts they've got sick kids, they've got a lingering illness uh, that leads some to arrive you know physically or emotionally exhausted. I know an individual who had uh, bladder problems and kept having to get up in worship often, so they sat in the back not to be a distraction and when i When I was first preaching and I first saw this, I thought they're sitting in the back, they don't care to be there. They're getting up and down and up and down and up and down. Why are they even here? But when I had a conversation with that individual, I realized, hey, they've they've got some medical issues. Um and and but for some, you know, when they finally sit down, when they finally slow down, uh fatigue overwhelms and sleeps sleep comes very easily. The the gospel records how Peter, James, and John kept nodding off while Jesus poured out his heart in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, now, while they, they must have been embarrassed when Jesus rebuked them, they still could not keep their eyes open. There was physically an issue. And and, and again, it says Matthew twenty six forty three. He came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. That's the hu- human aspect of things. I imagine that most of us have found ourselves dozing off when we should have been fervently praying or paying attention. And as Jesus explains in verse 41 of that chapter, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So compassion is a better response than condemnation. You know, when I when I or you spot somebody who's sleeping while you're preaching, while you're serving, while you're uh, eldering or deaconing, whatever, a compassionate heart, which is what you and I must have in order to be the faithful servant that we need to be, we, quote, remember that we are dust, Psalm 103 and verse 14. That can relieve some of the inner turmoil that you are experiencing when you're preaching to the dozing. So I said preach with compassion but then number 2 preach with passion. It's one thing to have a few dozers in the crowd but it's another thing to be uh accepting this as the norm rather than the exception. A sleepy congregation could indicate that the real problem is not in the pew but is in the pulpit. Um I you know I, I jokingly believe it's a sin to bore people with the word of God. Uh <laughs> you know hyperbole whatever laugh whatever uh it's probably not in the bible but but the but the principle is there as preachers we are charged with communicating the most important message of all go into the book of acts uh and study the words preaching and heralding and proclaiming and and notice the emphasis that the greek puts on the action it's a sense of urgency uh you don't just preach to or at people uh you preach through people and so we if we put people to sleep through our lack of clarity our lack of passion our lack of study we're not faithfully conveying God's message so that's our problem so disengaged sleeping hearers should spur us to become more engaging preachers no I'm not talking about screaming I'm not talking about acting but having check your heart check your sermons is this something that you yourself would listen to uh, or are you a are you a monotone individual? Do you do you have a hard time um, emphasizing words or emphasizing thoughts or or being dynamic in any kind of way? Maybe work on those things. People have a much more difficult time dozing off when the preacher passionately presents the message. I promise you, if you stretch it out a forty-five minute sermon and you're just kind of meh all the way through expect the dozers expect the bathroom breaks that's 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 common to man it's a temptation for people to sit and listen to something that is dragging them through the mud if you preach 25 26 27 28 minutes and you preach with fervor and zeal and excitement and you don't repeat yourself nine times and you are uh, awake and you look like somebody that who believes what they're saying i mean look at look at consider one of the most wicked individuals of all time hitler If you go and watch his YouTube videos that are in German, you don't know what he's saying, but he is so excited and so compelled and so convicted with what he's preaching, you don't even have to understand him, and you're like, I don't know who he is, but I know what he's about, and I know where he's going, and he knows where he's going, and and for people who are looking for leaders, that's easy. Locking onto somebody who is energetic, emphatic, who has a zeal for what they're doing, uh, that's who we need to be as preachers. So, when you're dealing with the dozing, uh, preach with compassion, but preach with passion. Don't just blame them uh, or their situation, but take a look at yourself, preacher. Number two, let's talk about preaching to the disgruntled. M- dozing listeners can be distracting. I mean, it's like having a fly buzzing around your head as you're preaching, um, but disgruntled listeners, that's that's unsettling. Um, they seem more like an angry wasp, in, instead of just a annoying fly, um, you may have a woman who sits in the congregation with her arms crossed. I, I've seen that. Uh, her expression is fixed on you, and it is a permanent grimace. It is growl. It is, if you get near, I'll bite you. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody never looks up. Maybe they avoid eye contact at all time. I know. I've preached. <laughs> and when i go to look at it, one particular brother his eyes will just look away from me like he don't he don't want me to notice that he's in, in the room um but each 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 sunday morning i can remember uh, one particular lady in the crowd um who with her arms crossed weekend and week out that is clearly communicating a uh, displeasure uh and the conversations that i did have with her uh, weren't weren't cordial they were short blunt um just as disgruntled as her as herself uh and my experience is not not unique this this has happened to you it's happened to everybody uh one preacher says that he he remembers a man with an explosive temper and he says that the man told him he promised him i will fight you every step of the way uh and he would sit with his arms crossed and he would glare as the man would preach and so uh very very disobedient very uh quarrelsome so how do you preach with joy and compassion when you know somebody is furious with you uh maybe something that is your fault maybe you have sinned maybe you've sinned against somebody and you've asked for forgiveness but they but they've yet to repent they've they've yet to grant you that forgiveness and they're not over it how do you do that how do you stay focused on your message when your mind gets so distracted by a disgruntled person sitting very very unhappily in front of you I think Paul's words to Timothy uh, prepare you and I uh, as preachers or as you're shepherding or as you're serving in any kind of way um, this exact scenario. Paul told a young man in the faith, he said, that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient, enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. In these verses, Paul is reminding a young man and having to encourage a young man to stay there and stay faithful. And he's not just reminding Timothy, he's reminding you and I of a four-part, four-important-part theological truth uh, that that will steady us when we're speaking to those who really are in opposition to us remember that you represent Christ the preacher is the lord's servant the elder is the lord's servant the deacon is the lord's servant we serve our king the christ and he has warned us to expect some opposition Remember he said, a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me, which they did, they will also persecute you John 1520 when Christ was reviled first peter two twenty three he did not revile in return so since we are his servants, our reactions to those who oppose us should emulate his. What did Jesus do in this situation that's what i 'm going to do then then look at this number two, show kindness even when it's not reciprocated. I can't help but notice that what Paul says, chapter two twenty four, Second Timothy, preachers are to be kind to everyone. Now I've looked. If you want to go and look, if you want to go and maybe get you three or four different versions and look, there's no asterisk beside uh, everyone in the text. That there, there, there are no exceptions to the rule. Being kind to everyone includes the lady in the third row with the crossed arms. Angry countenance. Everyone includes the guy who has pledged to fight you every step of the way. So practically speaking, showing kindness means we smile, we look people in the eye, even as we preach. Even if some avoid eye contact, we may not see eye to eye with everyone, but we should be able to look everyone in the eye. Showing kindness also means that we actively take steps to restore stained relationships. And that's that's the, that's the purpose. You want restoration in all things. We do everything we can to follow the admonition that Paul said, Romans 12, 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's also without an asterisk. Every person, all peoples, live at peace as best as you can. The third truth is winsomely present truth. Even in the face of opposition, uh, a preacher, an elder, a deacon, a servant must be able to teach, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Verse 24 of 2 Timothy 2. Kindness kindness is is not and should not ever be equated with uh, weakness. Gentleness is no excuse for cowardice. We must always teach God's truth, but in a courageous, gracious, and winsome way. We, we have to make sure that our hearts are in sync with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we do that? Well, we read his word, Ephesians 4.31. We have put off all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, along with all malice. And so when we put those things away, our hearts are pure with the Holy Spirit, and we preach God's truth without apology or without compromise. But then the fourth truth, according to Paul, a big reason that we can respond to the disgruntled in a gracious way comes with the fact that we know that changing hearts is God's job. It's not ours. We are the brother who was at home in Luke 15, the prodigal's brother who was at home, and our job is simply just to welcome them. As Paul reminds Timothy, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. God is in the business of that. We are not. We can present the truth, but only God can bring someone to the knowledge of the truth. Now, this insight takes a great deal of pressure off of you and I as preachers, as shepherds, as deacons, as ministers in any way. It frees us up to preach joyfully, to serve joyfully, to shepherd joyfully, even when some of the, in the congregation are very disgruntled and they are very much um, ill-advising. So the dozing and the disgruntled still show up at most congregations. So you need to expect them. Even when you are winsome in your preaching, even when you are zealous, you will win some and lose some when it comes to engaging the disengaged. Now, preaching God's word in a courageous but a kind way, speaking the truth in love and in love of the truth, you will fulfill your calling from Scripture. You will give the disengaged an opportunity to re-engage with God's truth.